Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. I'm Alan Thomas, and today I have with me Tom Ray, Chief Technology Officer of Flux. How you doing, Tom? Uh, hi, I'm great, thanks. Uh, great to be here. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty well, pretty well. Let's let's jump right in and tell us about Flux and what you guys do. Yeah, sure. So um, Flux is a startup we're started in the UK, um, and we what we do is we're taking the data that's currently locked in paper receipts uh, and we're we're unlocking that, and we're really unlocking the power of that data. So what we the way we do that is we take the paper receipt and we put it directly in your mobile banking app. So you you start the Flux service in your mobile banking app. Let's say that's a Monzo or a Starling. Um, you go you go to the app. You say yeah, I want Flux. You go into a store that supports us, um, and you pay exactly as normal with your card. Um, and then when you look in your mobile banking app, you'll see the transaction as normal but you'll see extra information. So you'll see in there all of the items you purchase um, you know, line by line, not just the total. You'll also see you know, if there's loyalty scheme there, then you'll see the loyalty stamps that you've earned. So say you bought a couple of coffees, um, you'd see the two loyalty stamps from your coffees that you purchased. Um, and all of that information is presented right alongside the transaction in your mobile banking app. And so you'll get a, a detailed accounting of everything that you got, plus any kind of alerts for loyalty programs or things like that? Yeah, exactly that. Um, and because we are seeing the items that you purchase, that's why we're that's how we're able to drive that loyalty. And so 
when you get to let's say it's a you know, buy four coffees get one free when you when you bought, buy that last coffee we detect okay this person has, has bought all the coffees they need to get the free one um what we'll do is we'll send cash back immediately to that customer's account and, and this isn't cash back like you might know it that takes 30 days and you've forgotten what it was that you you earned it for it's it's cash back via the faster payments network so it's Usually, currently, our average is about eight seconds from the transaction to the money being back in the customer's account. It's really quick. Uh, so, so the users will get a lot more out of these loyalty programs if it's coming back to them that quick then, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, and also, you know, because it's entirely seamless, they're paying with their, their debit card like they normally would. Um, they don't have to remember to scan their loyalty card or, or remember the little paper stamp cards that you often see. All of that goes away. You just pay and it all just works. And so, how did Flux come about? What what is it that, that spurred the growth of the start growth in the start of the company? Yeah, so um, it's founded by three co-founders: myself, um, then COO, which is Veronique, and then our CEO, which is Matty. Um, we all met at a company called Revolut, um, where we were the first, second, and fourth employees. I was the first, and I built their back end. Um, and, and we met there, and we were kind of having a chat about with. As you do in these kind of companies, like a lot of conversation about other things that, you, that interest you, and we started to talk about how crazy it was that paper receipts still existed. Yeah, you know, we we go from 21st century of contactless payments to like 10 BC technology of a paper receipt. It's crazy, and we're thinking about well, what could you do with that data if you could get access to it. And, and you know, receipts are really just the beginning. They're they're the most obvious use case, but but actually, really, what it's all about is getting access to that data in a digital form, and then all of the things you can provide the customer based off that. So loyalty is a pretty obvious one, but you can take it really far. You can go, okay, well, let's, let's say that we want to see what the nutritional content of the food you bought is. Maybe you're tracking that in a in an app that a lot of people do. You know, it's very tedious to have to enter it every time with us. Like You could see how you could make that automatic. So we were kind of chatting about this, um, quite a lot, and we, we kept coming back to it, and we decided that hey, like we should do this. So we um, we left Revolut, and we we started Flux. And so, is is part of the overall mission? Will, will will paper receipts be dropped at some point in favor of just digital receipts, or will they just continue to run parallel as they do now? So yeah, at the moment we're running parallel, but yes, absolutely. The the goal is to get rid of them. They're they're such a waste. Um, yeah, the the really exciting part for me is is the data. It's if you could give me an API onto all of my purchases with an item level basis, like I, that's really exciting. And that's, that's what we're building, right? We're building that API that I want. Um, but the paper part is super wasteful. It's, yeah, it's billions of barrels of oil. Like it's, and it's really bad paper as well. It's really oily, really plasticky paper. There's billions of them printed across the world. Like it's just, it's, it's a waste. And most of them are thrown away. So yeah, there's a supermarket in the, um, near the revenue offices when we were working there and, they have you know, rows and rows of self-checkouts. Um, and all the self-checkouts automatically print a receipt. And there's a bag at the end of the row where people throw that receipt away. So literally it gets printed and then 10 seconds later throw it away. What's the point of that? It's a complete waste. Um, so we can remove all that as well as making it a better experience, as well as making it better for the consumer as well. And so when a person comes to Flux in order to use the app to use the service is it is it just as simple as downloading an app or is there more of kind of an onboarding process to get started with it or how does that work yeah so the key is that we don't have our own app um what we do is we work alongside existing banks and we integrate ourselves into their mobile banking app so most people um have their bank's mobile banking app already on their phone they're already signed in um it's already already something they they know and understand 
so we we dive straight into that so you would open your mobile banking app so at the moment we're with um to the big um challenger banks in the uk which is starling and monzo and we're also integrating and rolling out very soon with barclays launchpad Um, and so you'd open that app you would go to the, the marketplace section in the case of starling and you'd be able to see, okay, Flux is available on as your uh, service on your bank account. You click yes, yes, I want this. Agree to the terms and conditions, and that's it. And the receipts then appear alongside your transaction in the Starling app, rather than having to have yet another app on your phone, which people don't really want. Um, and where else would you want to see your transactions other than where you're used to seeing them? And so it, it really, it seems like you've also uh, already eliminated the problem of wide adoption. If you're already inside of existing banking apps, then it makes it that much more comfortable or that much quicker for people to say, oh, let me go ahead and try this. And then, oh, let me go ahead and keep using this. Yeah, exactly that. It's, it's you know, a couple of clicks and, and then you're done. It's completely seamless process. It's great. It, it, we found that that's really a, a key. One of the hardest things to do as a startup is, is get a customer base. You, know, it's, it's, you have to work very hard to get someone to download an app. Um, if you can be inside an app they already have, you're a long way ahead. And so when you're first getting started, how do you approach these banks in order to do that? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it had to, it had to be challenging. Yeah, banks are hard to work with. Yeah, banks are they're, they're big companies. They, they can be hard to work with. Um, so actually, the, the first thing we did was, um, the very first thing we did was Monzo. So we uh, joined a tech accelerator called Techstars, in, which is based in London. And it's actually the Barclays Techstars program. Um, so, you, know, you can see why that was attracted to us. Um, and, and the first thing we did was, you know, the first thing they managed to get us was, was those conversations with Barclays at, at a senior level where those people had, had a stake in this because, you know, the, the program exists to drive innovation within the company. So great. And, and we really managed to have those conversations. But it's really not enough. If you're selling into a company like Barclays. It's really not enough just to say, well, this is what we think we can do for you. You really have to show that you can do it. Um, so what we did is, is Monzo has an API. Um, it's documented on their website. It's only really available as like a personal access token thing. You can access your own account, but it's not really designed for like a full rollout product. Um, and, and they have on that um, the ability to take a photo of your receipt. So you can go into your transaction on Monzo, take a photo of your receipt, and it's stored there alongside. And that's it. So you can expense it later or whatever. So what we did is you know, we, we took that API, we integrated it so we could get the transaction data out, and then we created an image of the receipt. So what I did was created some HTML with the receipt in there, render that in a headless browser, take a screenshot of it, upload that to S3, and then upload that as a receipt into the Monzo app. So you know, using the API they already have, something they're designed for a different purpose, and, and get it to work with our, our solution. And that meant that we could then go to retailers, we could go to banks, we could go to Barclays and say, look, look at it work. Yeah, let's take you to an eat store, which is one of the merchants we're integrated with, and show you it working in real life. And that then really makes the conversation easier because they can see it, they can touch it, they can get an idea of what it's actually going to be like. Okay, and let's talk a little bit about some of the, the challenges there were in actually forming the company and, and building the, the service itself. Yeah, it's... um. It's interesting because we, we get a lot of data. So we are integrated with a couple of merchants. So Eat is our, our big one, and there are a lot of small merchants coming on very soon. But they, they're sending us quite a large volume of data, um, especially for a company our size. Typically, startups don't see that much data in the early days. Um, we're actually seeing you know, millions of rows of data, and that can have, you know, for, for a company with only, you know, with only a few developers right at the beginning, and we have more now, but, but right at the beginning, we, we had to find ways of 
delivering the service and managing that volume without having a huge infrastructure, without having huge server costs. Um, and so although we did that with using AWS and Amazon Web Services to kind of use their their platform to allow us to scale much bigger than we otherwise would be um, and kind of just offload a lot of that responsibility. So, yeah, everything is managed using queues in AWS so that we don't have to worry about you know, what if we suddenly get a huge burst of, of, of data coming through? Well, we just get stored in their queue. And then we, we kind of consume it as we can. And as far as what you've been able to do so far, what sticks out in your mind as these are big wins that we've had so far or major achievements that we've had so far? Yeah, Barclays has got to be one of the biggest ones. Getting <laughs> to the point where we're integrated with their app and we're we're nearly ready to launch is hugely exciting. It's been a long road, um, as you can imagine. Uh, and you know it's taken a lot of a lot of work on both sides but it's it's, yeah it's hugely exciting and that's really what unlocks everything else um but actually i think personally the the most exciting bits has been starling because starling as a challenger bank that can move a bit faster they've they've built some stuff for us and actually we've built a really rich experience so we've brought loyalty to them um and, and those kind of things where you can go wouldn't it be cool if yeah, we showed the loyalty directly in the receipt. You know, there's no extra kind of work. We can, you know, we're, we're talking to them going, okay, well, we want to do loyalty. We need to build you know, this screen that shows you your loyalty, current loyalty cards, and that's going to take you know, a certain amount of time, right? And then we suddenly realize, wait, we can just put it in the receipt. We can do it tomorrow. Um, and so we quickly coded up a solution that, that allowed this to happen and try it, went out and tested it out, and it worked. Um, shared it to some users, and they, they thought it was really good and really clear. And, and that's the kind of stuff that's really exciting where you, you get that idea, you think, oh, I, could, I could do it this way. And then you can just execute on that really quickly. You don't have to spend a really long time negotiating things. You just you can get on and, and do it. That's the exciting part. And so now that you've gotten to this point, whenever you come up with, let's say, new ideas or for upgrades or something like that, what's mm. the what's the process like for testing that out before bringing it into the live, you know, to the live arena? In terms of deploying code to, to production or in terms of testing new features out before you show them to users? Right, testing feature, new features out you may want to try before yeah. showing them to users. Yeah, it's um, we, we we want to do it quickly, right? We we don't want to spend a lot of time building something and then find out that users don't want it, um, or that there's some fundamental problem that means we can't do it. So yeah, we we try and find ways to test it quickly, and that often means kind of taking a little bit of a shortcut. So it might mean building something um in a design you know design format so that you have some screenshots or a, a um, a mock and then literally just walking around the office and showing people because we you know, we're in a shared office in, in london there are lots of other companies there so we can quite happily walk around with a phone with a couple of screenshots on it and just show people what we're thinking about and really quickly get that feedback of i don't understand how this works or you know i don't know what to do next and then we can go back change the design do it again until we get to something that we think works and then then and only then actually build something um, and sometimes it's a yeah, sometimes it's like that. It's a design process. Sometimes you build a really basic product um, where maybe the, you know, the user expects you know, five or six different features, but you only provide them one or two. And then the extra ones you haven't built yet, you just put a, kind of a placeholder in. Um, and that allows you to get that feedback much more quickly. But it's also one of the great advantages of being a startup. Big companies really struggle to do this. Whereas as a startup, we can, we can move much more quickly. So that's pretty cool. You, it's basically like you have a test lab in your own building there. Yeah, it's great. And they're all yeah, they're all in the same position. They're all startups. Everyone's really keen to help, and yeah, they do the same thing to us. And so when you're 
whenever you're develop whenever you're coming up with these new developments or, or ideas for upgrades, is there any is there ever a time when an idea floats around from somebody and you and you basically say, well, that may be possible a couple of years or so down the road, but that might be too much to try to dump in here today. Yeah, that happens quite a lot, um, and that's because we yeah, the the vision for what Flux can do is is quite wide, but um, a lot of the really you know, a, lot, a lot of the extra stuff that we could do. So you're thinking about you know going back to the nutrition example. It'd be really nice to be able to show you the um, you know their calorie count for the day. And, and kind of give them advice on you know you 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 you're eating too much or you're eating too little or even simple things like oh, why don't you replace this item with this item and then you know, you, you know you're getting a much better experience or or maybe they're they're low in a certain vitamin over the day and you say oh you need to eat you know more of this that kind of stuff is potentially really powerful but you need to have a pretty wide coverage of a user's spend it doesn't work if you're only in you know 10% of their transactions you need to be in you know 80 90% of the transactions. Um, so that kind of stuff, you have to go, well, this will be great, but we have to wait a bit. Um, and actually, one of the things I'm really excited about is not necessarily building these things ourselves, but providing an API that let other people build on top of what we have. So yeah, the reason why we built the solution for Monzo right at that a very early stage was because they had an API that I could just use. I signed in with my Monzo account, I got an API key, and I just started playing around with it and built something. And that's what I really want to provide for other people. We have this data which there are going to be people who have things they want to do with item-level data that I've never thought of. Maybe it's something I've never even heard of. And then they they want this in their life and they want to find a way of making it work. Maybe it's an integration with a service or maybe it's some kind of um, analytics based on, on what they're purchasing or where they're going. Um, and I, you know, they can get going and get an access token for their own data and build a product out of it and great that's that's really exciting we'll get to see stuff that people want to do that we never thought of so in that in that food shopping example it would almost be like an electronic nutritionist of a sort making suggestions yeah, exactly because yeah. they so, have so, that that full coverage because you know the problem with most food tracking apps is a you have to remember to put them in and b you often struggle to find an exact match for what you bought so you don't know if you actually got it right or not and then lastly, if you're food tracking, you're often trying to lose weight. That's certainly why I've done it in the past. And yeah, you, you kind of, uh, I'll underestimate what I put in because you feel bad about it and then it's not accurate. Um, whereas something that's automatic, it can actually give you genuinely helpful advice. And so when we're thinking about the roadmap for Flux, the company, over the next year or two, what, what does that look like? What will we expect to see? Yeah, so we, we've focused the last year very, very much on banks. Um, trying to get banks on board, starting those conversations and, and getting those things done. And we're, you know, that's been really good. And what we're doing now is focusing on merchants. So you know, it's, it's one thing to have our service available in banks. But if there's no merchants where the customer can go, then it doesn't work. So that's what we're really focusing on now. So we, um, we've we got four rollout with a company called Eat, which is a London-based um, kind of lunch food place. Uh, and then another company called Pod, which is, a, again, London-based healthy food. Um, but we have... Lots of really exciting merchants coming up um, that I would love to be able to name, but uh, unfortunately can't. But there's some really, really exciting places coming up. And really, that next year is all about getting loads of really good, really hot merchants on board. Okay. And if you if you had some kind of, I guess, big takeaway or final thoughts that you wanted our listeners to come away with when thinking about Flux and thinking about your, your program, what what would that be? I think I'll come back to that API. I'll come back to you know, if you had the ability to 
have an API which gave you all of the items you purchased for the last year. What would you build with it? What would you do with that information? Uh, for me, you know, if, <laughs> there's so many cool things you could build, um, whether that's something that is just for you personally to see an insight onto your, your habits and your spending pattern, or there is something much bigger. Um, that's the really exciting part for me, and that's what I want people, you know, obviously I want people to come and use our service, but really I want developers to be building really cool things. Okay, and what's the and what's the best way, best method of contact to get in touch with you and the company and find out more and get involved? So if you're you know, if you're with one of the banks we support, then go on our website and have a look there, and you can get started on signing up to get on the platform and to to use our service. If you're looking at developing products, drop us an email. So hello at triflux.com is is the best place to go, um, and we'll we'll have a conversation. But um. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, thank you, Tom. I want to thank you for coming onto the podcast and, and sharing your expertise with us and sharing your time. Thank you. That, no worries. It's been great. Thank you. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. <laughs>